Now, uh, as we get, get into our, our teaching today, I wonder if you have ever wanted to spend time with a family member or a good friend, and, and for some reason, maybe circumstances on your end, circumstances on their end, you just haven't been able to, uh, to spend time together. Like maybe there's a deep longing in you to, to spend time with someone, but you have been unable to do that. You're like, Matthew, that's called 2020, right? That, that is our current situation. And then what, what if on top of that, maybe there's some, some growing discord. There is some issue that has the potential to erode that friendship, erode that, that unity, uh, that affection for one another. And uh, unfortunately, that's also where we find ourselves in, in 2020. Uh, and there, there is this pull on us to, um, to go into an acronym I'm, I've just created called HIP, called Hostile Ideological Polarization. That's why I'm calling it HIP, right? It's just easier to say. Hostile Ideological Polarization. And I feel myself being drawn into this polarization and, and this separation, this pulling apart from people who don't view the world as I do. And, and it's interesting that our, our current situation has a lot of similarities with uh, the first century church in Philippi and the Apostle Paul. We just began a, a teaching last week on Philippians. And so Paul writes a letter to the church in, in Philippi. It's modern-day Greece. And when he writes this letter, he is in, he's in prison. His freedoms have been taken away. Uh, but he wants to be with the believers in Philippi. I mean, they, they are close to his, his heart. And besides that, the church there is experiencing threats. They're experiencing turmoil outside and internal. And there are, there are those in the church who are, are on the verge of exchanging uh, humility for ambition. And, and it's leading to quarrels within the church. And so Paul, he can't help them. He, he wants to be there, but there, there's a, a crisis coming on the horizon. And so I wonder how Paul is like, how is he coping? How is he processing this desire to be with them? But he is literally being forced to physically distance himself from them. Um, and so I think what he has to say to the Philippian church is very germane to our present circumstance. And so we're going to pick up in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 3 today. If you have your Bibles, just keep them out in front of you. I'm going to reference verses as we go back and forth. And so I, th I think it'd be helpful just to keep the, the Bible open as, as we go. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul writes to them. Again, he's, he's in prison, can't be with them. There's, there's discord on the horizon. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I mean, do you hear, I mean, 
don't read that too quickly. I, I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is a, a strong statement. The King James uses the, a bit more literal of a word and, and says the, the bowels of Christ Jesus. It, it speaks of that, that deep internal place where um, those, those affections come from. And, and this, is no, this is no sentimental love. This is no like just feel good love. This is a love, I mean, think about the way that Christ loved us, willing to lay down his life, willing to be tortured, willing to go to the cross, that, that type of affection. Paul is saying, I have that for you. I have that longing for you. And um, now you don't find this, this type of language uh, in Philippians that, that Paul uses. You don't find this in other letters that Paul writes. I mean, he's, he has he definitely loves the other churches, but he writes them about, you know, what Christ has done in you and, and who you are in, in Christ and, and God's love for you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, and I wouldn't say his, his other letters are, are cold, but this church in Philippi just has a, a special place in his heart. And, and in fact, most letters that Paul writes, he writes them to uh, address an issue, like they've gotten off on some sort of belief or some type of practice that, that needs some correcting. But this letter to the Philippians, it, it doesn't, doesn't have that. And when Paul writes, he normally, so there's, there's 13 letters in the New Testament um, that, that Paul wrote. And uh, 10 of those, when he introduces himself as Paul, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he uses this term apostle in a way of just reminding his readers like, hey, I've got some authority. I am called by God himself. But he doesn't use that term in the Philippians. He just says, Paul, a servant of Christ, a slave of Christ. And he writes to them as a friend. He writes to them as a friend. And, and my prayer at the hills is that we would have that same longing for one another, that same affection of Christ towards one another. And I believe that's a, a sign of a, healthy, of a healthy church. And then he goes on in verse 9. And says, and this is my prayer. He's like, I've told you about how I've felt, about why I'm praying, but here actually is the content of, of my prayer. And Paul prays that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you, now when he says you, it's easy for us to, to read that as to an individual, but all of the you's in Philip, in Philip, in the in the, in the letter, in Philippians, are plural yous, right? It's, it's you all, all of you. And so he's writing uh, this, he's saying to, to all of you, that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So how is Paul handling his version of 2020? Lots and lots of prayer. That, I mean, if you read that all the, all the time, every day, when I, he just, if you go back and, and read through it, just make a note of all the praying, all the time that, that Paul speaks. And it's not prayer for himself. He doesn't, he doesn't mention prayer about it. He's praying for them. And what's more, lots of prayer marked by thanksgiving and joy. And what's more, more, lots of prayer marked by thanksgiving and joy for all of them. I mean, do you remember Paul's, his first greeting, grace and peace to you? Uh, the natural response to receiving God's grace and peace 
is gratitude and joy. Gratitude and joy. And that's what Paul displays here in another letter that Paul had written to another church in another place about 10 to 15 years earlier. Uh, it's the church, or the, the letter's called Thessalonians. You can check it out. Paul tells them, he says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And Paul practices what he preaches. And so Paul isn't letting this, this very real forced social distancing distract him from prayer or gratitude and joy. And when he thinks of the Philippians, he has them in his, his mind. He says, I remember you. He says, I, I have you in my heart and I have you in my prayers. And, and they were for Paul a great cause of joy. And I wonder what kind of Jesus community would we need to be so that when we thought of one another, it made us joyful. Like when we thought of the other people who are in the hills, who are, are part of our church, and when we, what kind of community would we have to be that when we thought of one another, that we would we'd be joyful, that we'd be led to pray for one another? I mean, what was it for Paul in the, in the Philippians? Um, well, for, for one, in these verses, we see that they are partners in the gospel. In verse five, Paul says, I always pray with joy. Why? because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So we need to be the type of community that partners together in the gospel. We need to be the type of community that partners together in the gospel. And, and so Paul and the, and the Philippians, they have labored together in the gospel. They have worked shoulder to shoulder, side by side. And those are memories when Paul looks back that bring him joy. There's something that he can, he can grasp, something that he can hold on to. Um, there was a, a book and then a miniseries written 20 years ago, uh, or it was on, on TV 20 years ago, called The Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers. And in the, in the story, it, it follows some, some U.S. soldiers in World War II. The Easy Company. And they're part of the 101st Airborne, and, and it's uh, mostly, mostly based on, on true events and, and true people. Um, and, and it follows them from their days in and boot camp and training to their, their tour in Europe to promotions. And, and as they go throughout these battles and, and they're shoulder to shoulder, there's this bond that forms uh, that is stronger than blood that they have for one another. And it, it's interesting, the Band of Brothers, that, that title actually comes from Shakespeare, uh, Henry, Henry V. And the, um, the, the poem in, in Shakespeare it says, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother, be he never so vile. So, I mean, think about your own life. If you have walked with somebody through something difficult, something, something hard, and you've come out the other side, like there, there is a, a bond that, that forms with, with that person. Um, and Paul he remembers the Philippians as, as people who have stuck with him through thick and thin, through good times and, and bad times, mostly, mostly bad times, and they have become for him a real band of brothers and sisters. And, and to go a step further, their partnership in the gospel is of eternal importance. Paul twice mentions the, the day of Christ, this, this day at the end where God's kingdom comes, uh, where we receive our eternal inheritance and God's kingdom is fully realized. And, you know, I, I think 
going on adventures with people is important, building those relationships, but even more than sharing adventures with people is, is working together in the gospel for something that is going to outlive your life, something that matters for all eternity. And so when Paul is, is thinking about this, he's thinking about their partnership in the gospel, something that's, that's heading towards the end. For him, it's a source of joy. It brings joy to Paul. And so I wonder, how are we partnering in the gospel with one another? How are we working together? And, and my prayer is that we would not be a church where we, we just get together for uh, a self-help motivational talk every Sunday. Uh, because trust me, there are people with better oratory skills than you're getting right here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so we, we would fail there. And, and my prayer is that we would not be a safe and, and comfortable church in, in terms of, of just holding hands, singing kumbaya. But my prayer is that we would be partnered with one another in bringing the gospel to our neighborhood, to our, to our city, because, not because we're, we're trying to win an argument, but because we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. Like that, that is our, our motivation. And so uh, that, that, is, that is my prayer, that we would be the type of church that partners together. And, it, you know, it's real easy, especially in 2020 during a pandemic, to slip in and out of Jesus communities, in and out of, of churches. In fact, I saw a study by uh, Barna, the Barna Group recently. Barna Group is like uh, Gallup except for religious uh, ideas and religious practices. And they have found since the beginning of the pandemic that church participation has dropped by 30%. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that just like everybody in general has, has dropped their partic- participation a little bit, which probably true. It's just difficult online and, and, and things. But what, what they're actually are saying by the 30% is that 30 per, a whole 30% of people who once participated in church six months ago are no longer participating in any way since the pandemic. 30%. Um, and I wonder if maybe there was no partnering in the gospel happening. Because it's, it's not difficult to walk away from a social club and to join another social club. It is difficult to walk away from a band of brothers and sisters who are in mission with God. That, that's, that's a different thing. And, and so Paul, he, he gives thanks for their partnership. And then Paul, Paul is a man of uh, rabbit trails and tangents. And he, he, he begins to, uh, like one track of thought, and he says a word and it takes him down another rabbit trail. Uh, so for example, when we in scripture in, in, in Philippians read verses three through, through eight, for us that's two paragraphs in English. In Greek, that was one sentence. Paul has a hundred words in one, uh, like if, if you're you know, one of those grammar Nazis and you read the sentence a hundred words, like your eye would probably start twitching. But Paul, he begins by uh, thinking of their partnership, and then he begins to think about how the gospel has impacted them, like how their lives have been changed for the gospel. Philippians 1, 7 says, all of you sharing God's grace with me. Uh, verse 5 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And so when, when Paul thinks uh, about God's people, 
and where God's people are headed, when he, he considers how God is working in their lives, when he imagines who they are becoming, when he recalls Lydia, the merchant, and, and the, the jailer who have come to faith and their lives have been changed, the result is gratitude and joy. And, and for us, like verse five, it brings untold comfort to know that God is not finished with me. God is not finished with you. And what he began, he is going to finish. As the old preachers used to say, I ain't who I was, and I, but I ain't who I'm gonna be. Uh, last week I had the chance to meet a couple guys. One guy had just gotten out of 26 years in the pen uh, for murder. And he spent 26 years in, in prison. It's, it's gonna do a number on you. But this guy had been so changed by Jesus Christ. Like the, the joy that he had, the, the, um, just, it, just the life that he had as he, he talked about sharing his, his faith. Um, like he, was, he was a complete stranger five minutes earlier and I found myself almost in tears knowing what Christ had done in his life. Now, your story may not be as dramatic as someone who served 26 years in prison. But God has been working in your life. And when I think about in the Hills Church, we're coming up on our three-year anniversary, and I think about in that time how you've grown in your faith, how the fruit of the Spirit is, is slowly growing, and we, we look back over the, the last few years to know what God is doing. It, it is, for, for me, a source of joy. And I hope it brings you joy as well to think about those in the Hills Church with whom you are following Jesus. When you think about what God is doing in, in other people's lives, uh, it should be a source of joy, a source of gratitude, a source of thanksgiving. And if you're at the moment struggling to think about like whose life has been changed and, and who is, is growing, let's have a couple ideas for you. First, just, just take a moment and begin to think of one of your friends at, at the church and think about how they've grown in their faith over the course of the last six months, the last uh, 18 months. I mean, how have you encouraged them in this process? Have you encouraged them in this process? And it, and it could be, if, if, if there is no joy in, in people's being changed, it could be that we are too focused on ourselves to have paid any attention to what God is doing in the life of someone else. It, it might be that you need to reevaluate the, the way that you approach following Jesus. Maybe you've been part of the hills for a while and you don't feel like you have a band of brothers or a band of, of sisters. And if, if that's the case, then all of Paul's talk about thanksgiving and, and gratitude and joy is, is hollow to you. You're like, well, <laughs> that just that doesn't, that doesn't speak to me. And, um, and if that's been your experience at the hills church, then I, I just want to apologize. Uh, first of all, like I, I am truly sorry. Like that is not the way that we are meant to go through, uh, through our walk with, with Christ. And if it could be that, that we have let you down as a leadership team. Uh, and it could also, let me, let me just challenge you at this point, that to build this type of relationship takes time and intentionality. Like you can't um, just, just because you've been part of the Hills Church for three years doesn't mean that you're automatically going to have some great relationships, great friendships, this, this band of, of brothers and sisters. You, you have to be intentional. Um, and so I just want to uh, just take a moment to talk about our, our micro churches. 
that are meeting on Sundays at 10 o'clock in, in parks and, and backyards. Uh, like we, we need each other. We, and even in this moment where we, we have to stay socially distant, um, if, if you can't meet, we have a virtual group that, that Josh and Emily are, are leading because we think it's just so critical in, in our walk, especially, I mean, all times, but especially during a pandemic, that we are walking together side by side, partnering in the gospel. And it doesn't just stop at the micro churches. Like th- those are great. That's a, a starting point. But then, you know, if you go to a micro church, get someone's number, connect with them outside of Sundays. Like we, well, I'm just going to conclude with this, is that Paul had invested his life in these, these believers in Philippi. Like he had, he had, he had the sweat equity. Uh, he had, in Philippi, been, been thrown in prison. But he had done the work. And, and even though he's in prison, and even though he's isolated, he's basically taking 2020 for a test drive. As, as he reflects on his partnership with them, as he thinks about the grace that they've experienced and the future that they're destined for, the end result is gratitude and joy and thanksgiving. And so my encouragement to you today is to do the work, put in the time, and to love one another with the affection of Christ. And then, then we'll have joy and gratitude and thanksgiving.